It was fun to push the buttons. I'll figure out what all those buttons mean someday. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best infrequent podcast about the Green Bay Packers. What's up, everyone? I'm Mike Fleischman. I'm joined by Matt Mellemsetter. This evening, I'm in Chicago. He's in New York. That's the that's the general introduction, although some of the parts were in different spots. We're coming back after a little bit of time off to talk about uh, the Packers' 23-19 loss at Pittsburgh brings them to 3-6. and six. Last time we talked, I was saying you could... Uh, you could get to a point where the Packers are six and six, and be uh, be looking at a playoff race. That could still happen, but you now a couple of a couple of things have happened since we last spoke. The uh, uh, Packers versus Vikings, Packers versus Rams, and uh, Packers at Steelers have all happened. Matt, we got to start talking about football, but since we've had a couple of uh, weeks of not talking to each other due to circumstances, I'm going to ask you again. You got a recommendation for uh, for this week on the podcast? I'll recommend you one thing to start off, which is that I had a Popeye's chicken sandwich for dinner tonight on my walk home from the train. Great finger food. It was the spicy one. And while I was eating it, I was thinking that if you get the good Popeye's chicken sandwich, there's variants, there's highs and lows, and it's going to change depending on which Popeye's you're at. If you get the good one, it's going to be on par with just about every ch- chicken sandwich I've ever had in my life. Man, there, the there's one, few things like a good chicken sandwich. There is very few things in the world like a good spicy chicken sandwich. Uh, and I love a Popeye's one. Um, the other thing is uh, get the cheapest beer that your corner market or bodega has and 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 drink it and have a good time i got this slim hazy low calorie ipa from peak organic brewing for ten dollars for a six pack at my bodega which is cheaper than the coors light oh my and, goodness uh, i don't know if that's totally yeah, fine I, yeah i don't know if i'm i'm shocked on the on the low price of beer a or the high price of coors light I'm a, I a, tell you what. I got a crispy, sweet, perhaps blue ribbon going here, so I definitely ah. know about the, the cheap beers. Just go pick up a, a cheap beer and and drink it. Drink one of them. Okay, so yeah, we Have got we got night. spicy chicken sandwich. That I'm completely on board with that. Cheap beer, I'm completely on board with that. I'm from northern Wisconsin. My recommendation is similar. It's the 19, and if I get the date wrong, please, please email me a lot. It's called the 1947 Pizza at Home Run Inn. Home Run Inn is kind of the chicken sandwich of pizza places around Chicago. I, I'd never been to a Home Run Inn before. Amy and I were out in the burbs for some some shit or another, and we stopped at a Home Run Inn pizza, and we got the the, the pizza that has the uh, the the roasted um, mushrooms and the and the caramelized onions along with the sausage on it. It's like the 1947. Or, or something along those lines. Very good pizza. Yeah. Nothing wrong with uh, with home run in, especially if you're out in the burbs and you're just in that like concrete jungle, where you've just got a bunch of restaurants that have popped up like Acne in the front parking lot of these these strip malls. Home run in is a a place where even if you go there and it feels soulless, you know, the pizza is is coming out real good. So, yeah, home run in. That's the, that's my recommendation for y'all today. It is the 1947, Mike. Sausage, caramelized onion, roasted mush- mushroom. That's the yeah. That's the stuff. 
Home run in is something that I miss about Chicago. I never stepped foot in the restaurant. I only got the frozen pizza, and it was always my favorite frozen pizza. Yeah, pretty good frozen pizza. I mean, the the one you get in the restaurant, of course, very similar idea, but uh, of course, just a, a little bit better. I've I've I always liked the frozen ones. Then I had a real one. I was like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm I'm stacking up with a, a seven dollar frozen pizza here, although they are a little bit more expensive in the. The thing I'm I'm from up north, so we would, we always do like the Tombstone Tavern pizzas. So that's kind of what I base everything on. Is like, what if what if you got used to as a kid eating the world's worst frozen pizzas? Like, mm-hmm. it makes the good ones seem bad. I was a I was a Red Baron brick oven. Man. Sure, still love them. Whenever I can find them, they're like four bucks, even in New York. We had we would get the like the tombstone Mexican pizza, which like there's few things grosser and also like more comforting to me than than a a tavern style tombstone Mexican pizza that would come what with. What was like, on the? Uh, it was like t- uh, tomatoes and like a spicy sausage, and there was like a little bit of a spice on the on on the on the sausage, and the the cheese was was cheddar, and I think it had like green peppers on it too. That makes sense, man. And there's a bunch of stuff like from my childhood where where it's like if you were to put it in front of me now without any connotation, it'd be like that's gross. But like, would I eat a a pizza burger made like from a company that sends you a a a frozen patty in the you know in the in the freezer section that has a, a slice of cheese in the middle, and then you grill it up and put it on a slice of toast and eat it because you ate it when a kid when you were a kid? Hell yeah, I feel like I was ten years old again. It'd be wonderful. Our school cafeteria, when I was in high school, would do a taco pizza. Same idea, I'm assuming, is the tombstone. Yeah. The like Mexican shredded cheese straight out of the the little packet from the grocery store. Sausage in little cube shapes. Tomatoes, lettuce, kind of vibe. It's amazing what's happened to grocery stores in the last uh, in, in the last thirty years. I can't imagine like finding just, an avocado in in say Wausau, Wisconsin, in nineteen ninety one. Impossible. We just got our first really good grocery store, and let me tell you, I went in. It was life changing. It was it was every kind of fish in the world they had. Never seen some of these fish. Never heard of some of these fish. They got them. Full fish, head on, or do you want them cut and prepared? We got those too. Check by the fruit. We don't know why it's by the fruit, but it is by the fruit. One last point Pretty before great. we get to actual like, like fish. football discussion is is I think there's there's a, a Twitter account or a genre of something in, in discovering or going into rural imitations of non-rural food. I'm thinking very particularly of what the IGA in Rothschild, Wisconsin, what their little in-house bakery would call a bagel when we were kids because they were, like, bigger than hamburger buns and, and like, soft to the point where you could, like, rip them apart like hamburger buns. And they they were, like, strawberry-flavored, so they were just pink, like big, pink, (laughs) fluffy clouds. And you buy them in a six pack, and they were each of them that are the size of a size of a spare tire, and uh, you, they, they were the least bagel thing that's ever existed. Do you remember the rainbow bagels? 
No. Oh, this was a craze a couple years ago. And it's just what it sounds like, Mike. There's nothing else to it. Just a bagel it's that exactly is exactly what it sounds multi-colored, like. Multicolored, yeah. Yep, that's it. Um, you can get them on Fresh Direct for twelve ninety nine now. Um, they're just a a bagel that's rainbow colored. Okay, all right. And I I just remember it hitting every social media I had as like the precursor to the cupcake phase. You remember when there were like fancy cupcakes? Oh everywhere? yeah, yeah. There was like, and, there was like a a a one of those one of those meme cupcake places four doors down from a bakery I worked at in Chicago when I first got here. Had like an yes. all night like a uh, cupcake vending machine that yes that yes. like drunk people would like be mad at. <laughs> when yes. I was walking exactly. to work in the middle of the night. Exactly, and now we're in cookie mode, at least in New York. I don't know what Chicago's like, but it, there's fancy cookie joints everywhere. Okay. Around where I work, I have, I have two of them within a block of each other. Um, there's also, like, the fancy donut. We're always in, like, a new stage of fancy baked goods. We will we will move from one to the next until we've run out of baked goods, and then we will start back at the Rainbow Bagels. But in my memory, the Rainbow Bagels were the starting point. We could have just big, stayed big at the Cronut. Craze. I would have been all right if we would have stuck with the Cronut. Oh, I forgot about the Cronut, dude. Fuck. I mean, as as like a guy who who has made a lot of house payments based on my ability to laminate doughs and make croissants, like that's that's where you want to be. Like, there's few things better than just tossing a little bit of like well-made croissanto into a deep fryer and just watching it expand, rolling it in cinnamon sugar. That's that's my kind of treat right there. What was your what was your favorite thing to bake, Mike, when you were a baker? I don't I think I was a bread man, like a, a very simple bread man. Like Italian style, French style, baguettes, ciabattas, that sort of stuff. I did a lot of sourdoughs and, and other things, but there's just something about like a proper a proper stone hearth basic white bread that you made with like time and attention and then it got like you know that beautiful golden or uh, like dark brown color on the outside big big rustic holes on the inside and then the you know the texture of it would be almost like silky and velvety if you did it right there's something about that like that's Chicago does not have that kind of bread culture there's not like a a really a really good European style bakery at least that I know about that's easy to get to. You can't find any of that shit in stores. So that, that to me is stuff that I miss and that I do around my house because you just can't get it anywhere. I got to learn how to make bread. I missed out on that uh, stage of the pandemic. Everybody was learning <laughs> yeah. how to make bread. I already had a sourdough starter in my in my freezer that I just popped into my <laughs> fridge and fed up a little bit. Like, here we go. I can take part in this. I was, uh, I was learning how to make... Uh, my rendition of Taco Bell breakfast crunch wraps. That was in state. Those were the two things that I took on in the pandemic. Those were the two skills that I came out of it with. I can still make a steak. Don't fucking ask me to make a breakfast crunch wrap. <laughs> yeah, just, I'll make you a steak. That that information did not go into long term storage. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> the Green Bay Packers, they're three and six. It was a twenty three nineteen loss at the Steelers. Um, I had to I had to work a little bit of conference tournament soccer on Sunday, so I caught like the uh, the condensed version of this game. And I I tell you what, Matt, 
my my first thought mm-hmm. coming away from uh, watching a forty minute version of this game is that Kenny Pickett did not make one single good strong throw over the middle to medium distance to help his team in this game. This was a game that I... this was a game that the Pittsburgh was able to get crucial first down after crucial first down on the ground, a, a two headed running back monster. And the Packers seemed either disinterested or unwilling to put their defense in a position where they were committing to stop that. They seemed instead to want to take away Kenny Pickett, who, if you go by like my count, is maybe the seventh best player in the skill position group on the Steelers. I, I did not understand what, what Green Bay was doing in this game. I had no idea. They seemed scared of Kenny Pickett, who... He wears two gloves. Have we ever seen a quarterback wear two gloves and be good at pushing the ball down the field? No need for five defensive backs. There's no need for this team to be in nickel with two down linemen. I know Matt LaFleur kind of blew up on a, a reporter the other day about two down linemen uh, because uh, standing up edge rushers are actually down linemen. Um, but there was no reason most of this game, please, God, Kenny Pickett, beat us. Yeah, I, I dare I dare Kenny Pickett to drive the ball confidently over the middle to a guy who is trying to work in one-on-one coverage. Especially yeah. if you're uh, rushing five at him. I, I dare yeah, Kenny Pickett he never to do had that. To. He never had to the whole game. He Almost every throw Kenny Pickett made was within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, some of them behind the line of scrimmage. Some of them... Technically backwards, but not considered backwards. Uh, no, he he never had to drive the ball down the field. I mean, if you dare him to throw it anywhere, you know, throwing to the sidelines, he's he's good with that. I mean, you know, and put this in the plus column for Kenny Pickett, not a risk taker. Now, the accuracy and the reads can sometimes be bad if you put them under pressure, but you know, a guy who is going to try and take care of the ball for you at the quarterback position and and did a good job of that. When I saw him take risks, it was to throws on the sidelines, and he made a couple of those. But so so do, so will Mitchell Trubisky. Now I I just don't see why you got to be so worried about Kenny Pickett that you you ignore the fact that like the entire strength of the Pittsburgh team is is right up the middle with their interior line and the running backs. Yeah, I I mean if you can if your offense can score twenty three points and have your quarterback throw for 126 yards. That's you're terrible. You got to be happy with that. Uh, it's they just didn't need Kenny Pickett to do anything and Green Bay was totally fine to say like we'll beat Kenny Pickett, you beat us with the run. And Pittsburgh said, "Okay, we'll just beat you with the run that's just, all day long." That's pretty much the only way Pittsburgh can can win against against teams. Is by using the run. I mean, they've they've they're a, and also by playing hard. Like that's that's kind of the two things that Pittsburgh is really capable of doing is coming out and playing hard for Mike Tomlin, and using the run game and the power game to establish everything. Like if if you if if you get into you know and you saw the Packers when they were able to have successes when they got the Steelers behind the sticks and turned them into a team that had to throw the ball, and they could not. It just that didn't happen for much of this game because instead you were doing a thing where where you had multiple, multiple uh, 
10 plus yard rushes from the Steelers like that. I, I cannot understand what's going on right now. And I'm, you know, the, the, the point of this podcast maybe isn't to just be like, we should fire Joe Barry. But like, how does this guy have a job? He just, the defense seems like very confused by, by the strengths of the teams that they play. I, you know, we, we look at the Packers last couple games, right? You hold the Raiders to 17, the Broncos to 19, the Vikings to 24, the Rams to three, Steelers to 23, you know, over, over a stretch. The defense of this team looked pretty good. I think we talked about it last time. Like there were no complaints really from the, the defense. It was that they were playing bad offenses and doing kind of the right thing on a game plan, game plan wise. And this time it was like they completely misunderstood what Pittsburgh does well. I I really, watching it, had no idea what this team was thinking. Uh, no Quay Walker definitely hurts. And it's not like Isaiah McDuffie comes in and is a superstar, but that guy can play a little. I tell you, I, I can, yeah, I don't want to put too much at his feet because he can play a bit. He's he's at the he's at least replacement level. He's totally he's not a superstar. He's fine, but they're not. Joe Barry and this entire defensive staff and 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 Matt Lafleur is responsible for this as well as the head coach. Not putting this defense in a place to succeed against a, one of the worst offenses in football in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, I keep on going back to these running plays, and Pittsburgh's not doing anything particularly complicated in the run game, Matt. They're, they're, you know, they, have, they have two running backs. They keep them fresh. Warren had 15 carries. Najee Harris at 16. So a good, good rotation, good game plan with who's going to get the ball and at what time. But they just block up the guys on front and then create one-on-one matchups with with guys that those runners are bigger than. There was, it was just very clear that so many of these big runs were accomplishable simply because there wasn't a mismatch in the box that favored the Packers. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but like that's kind of how you get completely gashed in the run game is if you is if the offense has numbers within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's that's exactly what you want to do. And you know, the solution to taking that away from teams, it's not that fucking complicated. The, the only time that I saw this team succeed against the Steelers on defense was just bringing a safety down into the box. And it was just going like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll add one more. How about we just add another number there? And that worked to keep the seven and eight yard runs at bay. And then they would go away from it. And you'd watch Najee Harris, who's not particular, not particularly special. He's like uh, if A.J. Dillon was was better. Yeah, if A.J. Dillon was was a little bit better and you'd see Najee Harris run for 12 yards. You go like, well, fucking what is any of this for? Um, Jalen Warren had some some juice. I tell you what, he he looked great. And it's not as though you have like a, a problem with. I know you're thin at linebacker right now. If you're the Packers, certainly like Devondre Campbell is is really the mid, you know the middle linebacker that you trust to have out there. If Quay Walker's out, you got a guy and a half. 
at that position, but you're not short at the defensive line spot. You really aren't. Now, Carl Brooks and Kenny Clark are good. Like, T.J. Slayton is is a good player. Like, some of these guys, you know, De- Devontae Wyatt, like, the, some of these guys need to start showing up. And, you know, I, I, I again, forgive me if any of these guys were, were hurt or dinged up or out for this game because, uh, again, soccer on Sunday. But, like, there's, there's guys that you could put in this rotation. Like, you can heavy up that defensive line and be putting some talent out on the field with it. I mean – Team, this team has spent enough draft capital and money on the defensive line. You would hope eventually something clicks down there. Um, nothing special from Rashawn Gary. Nothing special from Lucas Van Ness, uh, especially recently. Uh, nothing popped on the defensive side. The team looked... Keyshawn Nixon almost made a great play, didn't get the second toe down. But in general, defense just looked completely overmatched by what is like a bottom five offense in football and it's one of the rare times where you watch it happen and go like, Oh, this one feels like it's all on the game plan. This one feels like somebody misread the scouting report completely, uh, and put in the wrong, put in the wrong, just completely made the wrong decisions. Uh, no idea what's going on. Uh, yeah, it was, it was frustrating to watch. Let's talk a little bit about Jordan Love, who was 21 of 40, threw for almost 300 yards in this game. A couple of touchdowns early and a couple of interceptions late. I, I've said it before on the podcast, and like if I have to go down in history as a as a Jordan Love defender, even as a even if that ship really does start sinking, I'm not off that boat quite yet. Like this guy is still putting balls in the spots for guys and. Uh, as much as as much as I want to criticize the defensive game plan, I I really think that the Packers ran a a pretty decent offensive game plan in this one, at, at least as far as the passing game goes. In that they you know you had to play from behind, you had a two score deficit from I believe the second quarter onwards, but Jordan Love played pretty well, and the idea of being able to push the ball downfield, especially over the middle. Let's say, i.e., exactly the kind of shit that Kenny Pickett cannot do. Like Jordan Love was doing that in this game for a, a fair amount, I, and he put some really great balls on guys. This was another game where I'm not I'm not disappointed by how he played. I would completely agree. I thought Jordan Love. I think that the 21 of 40 is a little bit misleading. I think that the two interceptions is perhaps a little bit misleading. But Jordan Love played great. Um, no real qualms. With his performance, you know, the second interception comes on a essentially a Hail Mary. Um, Pittsburgh lined up seven guys on the goal line with three seconds left in the game. Yeah, that's not that's not the best throw. You need a better throw there, of course. Yeah. Um but I'm not I'm not gonna kill anybody for throwing a pick in that situation. I'm not uh, yeah, I'm I'm not mad at the first pick at all. But first pick I think is a great least, ball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the ball you need right there. It's, it's you know, Matt LaFleur came out against it as a decision, said he should have gone to the other side of the field. But, hey, look, that's the throw. Christian Watson needs to work his route back. He gets pushed to the boundary when he should be working about four or five yards off the boundary so that he has space. Um, he doesn't do it. Essentially gets bullied out of bounds by 48-year-old Patrick Peterson. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's that's not only the throw, but that's the that's the kind of completion you need when you're working between your first round draft pick, fourth year quarterback, and your second year second round draft pick, a six foot four inch tall athletic uh, like standout wide receiver. Like these are the kind of things yeah. that need to happen in the game. Like because if Christian Watson is not willing to like fight for that ball and not willing to to run a route that puts him in a position to succeed there, then like, then he's not going to be of much use to this team because that's the kind of stuff that you need to be able to do. Like that's, you know, we're talking about like difference between winning and losing kind of stuff and, you know, game plan it all you want and criticize the defense all you want. But like, if you are not willing to, to fight for balls in the NFL, like if you're not willing to outwork your opponent, there's not a place for you. There really isn't. Yeah, I it's and it even comes down to like do I think he should catch that ball? Yes. At the very least, can you hand fight it? Yeah, can you go can you, can you go get it? Can you try and go get it? Can you go get it or play defense on something like that, which is something we never see Christian Watson do? Um I saw a stat the other day that that Christian Watson has been the uh, least efficient receiver Jordan Love has targeted this year by a large sum. Um, the average net yards per attempt to Christian Watson is 0.69 or 0.7, 0.6 yards per attempt because he's thrown five interceptions to Christian Watson. And how many times oh, have we God. talked about on those interceptions – Man, I wish Christian Watson would fight for it a little bit. Well, uh, yeah, do do yourself a favor, or yeah, not a favor, but you know, if you don't like the Packers, you consider this a favor. But do a Google image search just for Christian Watson, and pull up pull up the first bunch of images you have, and and single out the ones where like Christian Watson is in the air, or jumping, or leaping, or diving for a ball, and I guarantee you. They're going to be of him jumping or leaping or diving away from a defensive player. Never towards, never into, never in contact with. This guy just, he seems to have an approach to the game that doesn't include like being physical, either at the line of scrimmage or in 50 50 balls, contested catches. And God damn it, that's not going to do it. It just will not. I don't care how fast you are, how big you are. That will not get it done. It won't cut it. Um, you know, and maybe that's that hand fighting thing is a, a skill he's got to learn. And maybe being aggressive with the defender and physical is something that will come with time in the NFL after being at North Dakota State and dominating guys physically. But man, we're two years in, buddy. It's got to, we got to see some flashes. Yeah, time to make it happen. Um, Time to do something. Time to let's see it five times this year. I don't think I've seen it three yet. Well, I said to you over text message, and this is yeah, this is something especially with the with the where this guy comes from. North Dakota State ain't playing and ain't playing world class competition in college football. And so you get into the NFL, you're bigger, you're stronger, you're faster than every single guy who's lined up across from him this season. But that's not enough, because those guys are all better than you. Like getting, you know, being bigger, stronger, and faster has worked for a long time. It does not work in the NFL. 
because those guys who like get to start on defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers, like if you want to start on defense for Mike Tomlin, you have to play with the attitude that you belong starting on defense for Mike Tomlin. And so those guys lining up against you, like they're not scared of you. They're not worried about you. They don't care that they're bigger, stronger, faster. You they guard bigger, stronger, faster guys every single week. And yeah, at this point, yeah, I think we've reached midway through season number two for Christian Watson. You just kind of got you got exposed in a couple of really big spots throughout this game. It's been building and building, building, but. In the last couple of games, yeah, you've got you've gotten exposed. You've gotten kind of hung out to dry in a couple of bad losses against Minnesota and and Pittsburgh. And you know, you've got to decide like am I going to am I going to be like mad about that? Is that going to motivate me or is it is it time to kind of just kind of treat keep on doing the stuff that isn't working and and double down on it, which we call that the James Harden approach. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we going to double down on the shit that's not working? Or are we going to get a chip on our shoulder and do something better? You know, I, I don't want to yeah. delve in or psychoanalyze guys like Christian Watson, but, like, the story certainly suggests itself of, like, this guy is facing an attitude and a talent level from opposing side of the ball that is completely unmatched from what he's seen before. And mentally he has not been ready to face it yet. Yeah, and it's, you know, where did we see Christian Watson having success last season? Uh, it was in schemed-up looks. It was in, you know, the the Jordan Love touchdown pass to Christian Watson in the Philadelphia game, kind of in, in garbage time there, is like a, a beautiful crosser from Watson on a play-action pass where Love whips around and zings one in. We're not seeing much of that to Christian Watson, and when we are seeing it, he's not running it great. There's There was one play early on, I think it was the first or second possession uh, of this game, where, where Love almost throws an interception at the goal line. And Watson's his target on a crosser, um, and J.T. O'Sullivan talked about it in his, his breakdown of this week's film, but Love... Uh, Watson is is coming across the goal line and starts to drift up a couple yards, kind of drift towards the goal line a couple yards. And that makes Love's throw to him sail and hit a defender's hands. If he was coming directly across, and you can see in the the All-22 footage that Jaden Reed runs it correctly, the rookie out of Michigan State, who's been fantastic this year. Yeah, that guy can uh, play. Runs it. That guy can fucking play, man. Uh, he runs it perfectly on the other side. Watson's open, but starts to drift away from his defender into the end zone. And now the throw tips off of his hands and sails right to a defender who misses it. And you're lucky that that guy can't catch because he's playing defensive back. Yes, uh, yeah, exactly. But if Watson is running straight across, uh, perpendicular directly to Love... It's a touchdown, but he's undisciplined and floats upfield, and now it's you're losing ground on the defender. He's able to make it up, and now it's an incompletion and nearly a turnover. And that shouldn't – Jordan Love's throwing it to his spot. This is a timing play. If you're where he throws the ball, you're wide open, but you broke it upfield a little bit when you don't have the space or reason to. It's a touchdown if you catch it. Um, now I've, so yeah, I've seen, 
I've seen some com- I've seen some uh, comparisons between uh, another another wide receiver who went on to become very good out um, from a small college who got started on the Packers with a bit of a slow start at who has you know now plays for the Raiders in is probably the best player on the Raiders and that's Devontae Adams who had a rough start to his season who to his career in in Green Bay it just seemed like he wasn't able to to make some of the some of the plays that he needed to some of the easy catches were um, were too hard for him to make but I don't know if that's I've saw that comparison and I thought about it and you kind of nod your head like oh yeah definitely I think what they're trying to say is more that like yeah players tend to take leaps you know, later in their career, like some players definitely like you have that ability. It's not about like, oh, you didn't have a good year in your second year, you're done. If you're, you know, you can sometimes turn it around in years three and four. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I like the comparison between like early Devontae Adams and Christian Watson. I think Devontae was a different guy, even in his first and second year. I I don't like that comparison mainly because you know, and maybe Christian Watson's playing hurt and he's not showing up in the injured report. You know, I, I'm not in the room. I don't know. But Devontae played hurt a lot of his second year. And also his issues were with easy drops. He was making the difficult plays. It was the simple ones that he was dropping. And he was still getting open. There was no issues with Devontae's route running or his knowledge of the offense or his discipline. That was all good. That was squared away. It was just like, man, he just toasted that guy and dropped an easy one. That's one that you go like, yeah, that'll get fixed. He's doing everything else right. He's making the hard plays. Watson isn't really making the hard plays or the easy ones. We saw him dropping pretty simple, like, hitch first down. And he's also undisciplined on his route running. And it's like, oh, man, this is a lot of working parts that are all slightly off that need to come in and click into place. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to give up on a guy with his kind of physical profile yet either. I think all the the skills are there and the talent is there. It's just like, can it all click together in the right time? And, uh... I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it remains to be seen. Yeah, at this point, you've got guys like like Wicks and Reed, who are definitely guys who I think could be be two and three on a depth chart. That's that's the thing with the Packers right now is that you've got a wide receiver room, which for brevity's sake, let's just say that it's it's Dobbs, Watson, Wicks, and Reed are your four guys. You've got three guys who are wide receiver two or three. And you don't have you don't have option number one for uh, for Jordan Love yet. Yeah, Dobbs has looked pretty good. Reed has looked exceptional. Wicks has exceeded expectations, even for me as somebody who's high on uh, Dontavian Wicks. He's he, all those guys have looked great. You know, I we, I was saying it before we we came in. I don't think my perception of this team has changed. Um, there's still the same amount of good players at each position. It's just that the names of those good players have changed. Um, and the guys that I'm excited about in the future are, are different. It's the same number. Yeah. I'm, All the I'm, same number. I'm worried about the way um, – I'm worried about this team prepares. I'm, I just – there is still this worry about, like, 
you know, not just not just schemes on defense, but attitude on defense. Not just schemes on offense, but attitude on offense. This is a team that has a hard time getting started, particularly on the road, and they have a hard time keeping momentum. Say, like, you get a good uh, kickoff return from your from your risk-reward kickoff return guy, who who is, Gishon Nixon is still one of the only guys who plays with what I consider to be an appropriate amount of sauce. I don't know if he's good or not, but like the the amount of of tangy barbecue sauce that that man puts on a football game is the right amount. Say say that he uh, he sets you up with great field position on a, on a big kick return, an important point of the game. Can't go three and out. Got to do something. That yeah. stuff gets me. It, that stuff really really gets me. Like this team refuses to have momentum. This team has like perfect karmic balance. For every good thing they do, right? there will be a bad thing. Uh, I mean, you even look at their their points scored and their their points allowed. Almost perfectly 50-50. 179 yep. points scored, 182 points allowed. Um, they are just really nailing it down the line. Jordan Love throws a beautiful touchdown pass. That extra point will get blocked. It will be a deciding factor in this game. Uh, it Show will enough. always It'll be the case uh, for this team. They just can't play a good game all four quarters. We haven't seen this Packers team play a good game all four quarters when it mattered in a while. It's just now we're seeing it show up in games where they don't have the talent to run away with things. Yeah, this is a very interesting season because you have a situation where, yeah, the talent level is low, or lower at least than it has been recently. And then on top of that, You've got the same coaching staff that has been riding an MVP quarterback for for many seasons. And this Packers team had the same problems with Rodgers that they have now in looking ready for games, in game planning on defense, and and playing with the right amount of sauce, my, my highly scientific term. And I think right now we're seeing a just... I, I'm scared that we're seeing the the what Matt LaFleur is capable of as a head coach. And that there there isn't like a, a level that this team can step up to as as a matter of assembly effect. Like I think we're seeing like a bunch of talented guys do talented stuff, Jordan Love in particular. But I, I'm worried that this team does not have the leadership to be greater than the sum of their parts. I'm I'm I don't know if you're still I mean, jury's still out for me, but I'm starting to scratch my head and go, like, is this kind of the, the ceiling of of what LaFleur is capable of getting out of guys? Because he ain't getting what I'm, he needs to get out of some of these guys. I'm worried that Matt LaFleur is, is the type of coach. Um, it feels like something that you see more in, in baseball, but um, I don't hear about it much in, in football. He feels like the type of guy that you bring in when it's time to win on a veteran team that knows what they do and how to do it. And when we've seen him over the last two years with young players who need to be instructed on like, all right, here's how we do things here. It has been a struggle. Um, and that he is more of a like, cause the offensive game plan for the most part this year, I've not really had that many qualms with. Yeah, it's seems been good. the execution of the game plan, uh, which comes down to a coaching thing. And maybe 
that's not necessarily on the floor. He's the head coach. He's not working with the position groups specifically. But those are his hires. And Joe Barry is his hire. And so I wonder if he's more the guy that you bring in when everything's polished off and he's more of a ceiling raiser than a floor raiser. Or, and he's not the guy that gets you to the ceiling. He's the guy that when you're already at your ceiling, you bring him in. He's got the football brains to kind of elevate you from a 10-win team to a 13-win team. But, no, we've seen him get out coached in the playoffs every year. Uh, and we've seen his teams the last two years struggle with basic execution stuff. You're like, all right, well, who does it fall on now? We're going to take a quick break, but before we go to that break, one of the things that we missed as as of course we've been living living our lives and not getting to not getting to talk about the Packers as much as I would have liked to over the last 3 weeks is the the trade of Rasul Douglas. Uh Rasul Douglas goes uh this is a guy who uh I don't know, man. I don't know if he was good or not, but like again, this was a guy who who ranked pretty highly in my seems to give a shit uh category, which is you know one of the things that I rate guys on, so seeing him go was a real head scratcher for me because you know the return is decent. I like the return for Douglas, but all the same, like if you have a problem with a team that's not giving a shit in the right way, like maybe someone knows more than I do, but like you seem to have lost a guy who gave a shit. I when I walked away from it, going, I don't, I didn't think the return was was good enough to justify it in this type of a scenario um, where you're not tanking. You swap Razul Douglas in a fifth-round pick for a third-round pick, I believe. So the idea must be that that pick can be used as ammo in a trade to get us higher up elsewhere because I don't think that Razul and a fifth is really worth that third draft capital wise the packers have never drafted somebody good in the third round um <laughs> yeah, there's that so that ad, that I just avoid in. those ones uh but it to me it felt almost more like a wake-up call kind of trade of like a hey even that veteran who's been here for years and is on a contract we will send him off where everybody here is movable um is the best that I could get out of it. I don't know. Surprised me. Didn't think it would happen, especially when the cornerback room has been pretty thin for the last two years because of injuries. And now it's, uh, we started, started Ballantyne and Valentine this week. No, no Jair Alexander, no Eric Stokes. Um, Razul Douglas is gone. Yeah, that was, an- just, that was another reason why, why it raised eyebrows. Yes. Yeah, that is, you've got a, you've got a year where, this might end up being a a lost season for Jair Alexander, which you know that that happens to guys. But this might end up being a year where he's really not able to be effective at all outside of one or two games. So yeah, when you're gambling on your on your secondary and trying to send a message at your at your thinnest skill position or your thinnest defensive position, beg your pardon. I I don't know. I was uh, that, that got me scratching my head a little bit, but. Now that's that's pretty much a catch up on the Packers. We've got we've got other NFL stuff to do. I've got to go find a fresh PBR from my uh, from my fridge. So I'll take a little bit of a break and pop on back for a little bit more of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Fun week of football. <laughs> it's a 
Um, this uh, the the Tyson Bajan experiment continues in Chicago. I want to start with the the NFC North teams and how they've been doing. I uh, I continue to be to be pretty amused by uh, by the Chicago Bears, and I continue to be like pretty amused by the fact that it took them bringing in an undrafted rookie free agent from Division Two to run a simple fucking game plan for a quarterback. That continues to be funny, and they're three and seven now, and. They beat one of those like classic "you must beat these teams" teams, which is the execrable Carolina Panthers, sixteen thirteen. They snuck by, by the skin on their their tiny little teeth. Those, those classic one score, one score cupcake bear, battle. Yeah, those softened bear fangs. They barely, they barely snuck by. Um, they just look awful. Um, Tyson Bajan is not good, and I am sick of seeing anything from anyone. It feels like it's calmed down now, finally. Yeah. But early on, it was some some big like, he's the future. And I was like, oh geez, these guys are in worse. Oh yeah, they're they're yeah they're they're, they're in a bad place if they think he's the future. No guy mm-hmm. from D two is the future. Gonna, uh, gonna guarantee you that. But you know what uh, is the yeah. future for the Bears is putting a guy with athletic talent and like a a much better sense of big time football into a game plan that is as simple as the game plans that the Bears are putting Tyson Bajan into. Because you know, I I said this to my neighbor and I said this to some guys that uh, produce the broadcast that I've been doing these days, who are Bears fans. Like, like if you put. Justin Fields in some of the same very easy situations that you put Tyson Bajan in, he's going to make you look like a genius. Because just like a one-on-one matchup with a linebacker, well, guess what? I take Fields in that matchup. You know, like Fields in a max protect situation where he's got one and a half reads and a running lane, like I take Fields in that situation, like a read option. On on you know a second and four, that those sort of things like the things that seem all of a sudden easy for the Bears to do instead of these like eleven step dropbacks and 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 all of this stuff that they were trying to do with Fields, I it remains baffling to me how it took losing Fields for the Bears to realize that they should use a game plan that wasn't stupid. Yeah, it's it's. Just dumb the game down for guys as much as you can. Make everything as simple as possible. Dumb the game down for everybody. Everyone. I, I really think that we got we got a little bit um, spoiled in Green Bay by thinking that like you know you have to have you have to be Stephen Hawking to be a quarterback because and I think we got manipulated into that. I think we you know we got forced into that because uh, Aaron Rodgers like devoted it like the entire entirety of every media appearance that he's made for the last five years into making you think that he was some sort of genius. Like this is, you know, this is the Albert Einstein of playing quarterback. And like, you know, you can't be quarterback unless you're Albert Einstein, unless you're smart like this guy, Aaron Rodgers. And like, you know, Aaron Rodgers has conclusively proven that he is an incredibly dumb guy. Uh, well, you just don't, you do not need thing. to be some sort of like, like m- multiple, you know, five reads, 
you have, you know, we, we call this play and we come to the line of scrimmage and, you know, it could be one of three different plays and then we use, you know, a complicated system of colored hand signals and audibles and, and, and then, like, no, run a fucking play action, would you please? It's, you know, it's, it's Peyton Manning did the same thing of, like, oh, man, everybody thought now it takes audibles and a bunch of on-the-line adjustments. And Tom Brady did a similar thing, but Tom Brady won Super Bowls just throwing out routes. Just you know? yeah, just, just running zone zone run zone run play action, and then yep. you know play and action just, on first down when the defense is gassed. Yeah, it he made one of the greatest careers out of playing simple. Uh, but no, it's it's the Packers currently go up with two plays every time, and it's can can can. And it's like, okay, so you have a bunch of young, fresh guys that are struggling with execution, and instead of sending them up there with one play, you're sending them up with two? Just make it easier on everybody. Please, make, send it, them up please make it easier on everybody. We can get complex when they're veterans, maybe. But also, no reason. Just make it simpler. Just run the play. I'd execute them. Doesn't matter if they know what's coming. Just beat them. Yeah, and and every team like every team has had a a system of like basic audibles and like checkdowns and stuff that they can change and adjust at the line of scrimmage if they need to fix something simple. But yeah, make it make it easy for people. If it if the Bears can can beat the Carolina Panthers by just making it easy. Like, why not do it? Like, you know how many times Tyson Bajan got sacked against Carolina? Zero. That'll help you a lot. <laughs> Helps a ton. Yeah, didn't turn the ball over once. Things are going to go pretty well for you. If, you know, you're at home and you win the turnover battle against a team that's terrible. Uh, goes Yeah, that'll make you look like a genius. Um, Mac Jones might be done in New England. Indianapolis, and boy, Indianapolis has played some hard luck games. So it was nice to see them get a win on the road in New England against the team I like rooting against in the Patriots. But, uh, yeah, uh, Gardner Minshew, the mania continues <laughs> as he you know, thro- throws an interception and under 200 yards in New England, walks away with a 10-6 win. Um, yeah, they're, uh, the Patriots have really hit a snag, and that snag is called uh, not having a good quarterback. Yeah, Mac Jones just doesn't look like he's it and neither does anyone else they have uh to yeah play quarterback. i doubt bailey i doubt zappy. bailey zappy is is your answer yeah bailey zappy had kind of a, a a quick couple weeks last year where we went like oh maybe he could be something he came into that pack uh, game and, and and flashed pretty well yeah um he he came in for the last drive three of seven threw a pick to end it that's kind of that's kind of it. Um, Gardner Minshew is going to make himself a career for a long time as being the the cusp, like quarterback number thirty in the league. Yeah, love this guy. Absolutely, and and like everywhere he goes, he seems to find himself on the field. Like this was, like going to Indianapolis was so good for him. And yeah. He just keeps on ending up in spots where yeah, you're playing either behind a rookie or you're there to like. You know, you're you're behind a guy who needs a little kick in the butt, 
You know, if if you're you know if you're bringing in oh I don't know Trevor Simeon behind you know behind your number one starting quarterback, your number one quarterback knows that that's his job all year long. Yeah. But if you bring in Gardner Minshew, like all of a sudden your your number one guy is thinking like oh crap the guy behind me can play. Yeah, he's not nothing. He's not a superstar, but he's not nothing. You know, I I wouldn't be upset next year if there was a team like I don't know. The Atlanta Falcons, who started Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I would love I think to, be He would be good on the Falcons. The Falcons would get better. He'd be the perfect landing spot for Gardner Minshew. If the Jets had Gardner Minshew. What if the Pittsburgh Steelers had Gardner Minshew? Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, there's a lot of teams where he could land next year. And you go like, huh? Not a bad spot for a year. Can you think um, of Matt? Can you think of one player on the Packers rosters for the last five seasons who has shown seventy-five percent of the like personality and like sauce and and just sort of general like fun-loving good vibes as Gardner Minshew shows every time he's on the screen? The fun-loving good vibes does impact things. I mean, Aaron Jones is that guy. Aaron Jones, He's... just general sauce. I mean, Devontae Adams, Keyshawn Nixon, mm-hmm. Jair Alexander. The fun-loving good vibes. Jamal Williams is probably number one when it comes to vibe guys. Um, but outside of that... Uh, and outside of yeah, outside of Alex, you know, Jones Jones is a guy who like yeah, he's been hurt and but there's been yeah, it just seems like the guys who who have the guys who bring something that doesn't that isn't physically measurable seem to end up off this team quicker than they need to. I'm just I've been I've been looking for the Packers to have like a guy that like they can have some fun around. You know, you, you always kind of hope like you know, the talented guys like Kenny Clark seems to be a talented guy, but he also seems to be a guy who is is uh, you know a businessman, and like you rarely you rarely see him like leading any sort of emotional charge. Um, and then you know guys like Jones have a little bit of fun, but like you know, I don't think anyone's worried about like how much Aaron Jones is going to yell at them if they don't play well. You know I don't I don't think anyone's worried about like getting getting. I you know I watched I watched a soccer match. I watched this team play a couple of games the last like two weeks and one of the things that I kept on having fun with on the broadcast is that every time that uh, every time the goalie for this team had to make a save every time the goalie had to do anything he immediately like if he came up with the ball he immediately was like making sure his back line knew like what he thought <laughs> of that like this guy was just he was mad every time he had to touch the ball in a soccer game like and just you know, kind of kept it, kept on forcing his teammates to like, you know, to continue paying attention and to continue like doing the work, and you know that's the sort of thing that, yeah, I think I think is lacking a little because you see like you see guys on, on other teams who, I don't know, just pass the eye test a lot quicker than some of these guys on the Packers. There's, I would love to see just a little bit more fire, in in the way of like yeah. a Gardner Minshew or you know a. De- Deontay Foreman or some of these guys that that you know, maybe aren't on good teams or aren't the best players, but clearly really really care. 
I would love to see this team isn't stellar this year, and you 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 see this go wrong in uh, the public opinion often. I would like to see some some buzzing joy on this Packers team, whether they're winning or losing. I would like to see some general camaraderie and vibesmanship, some happy-go-lucky energy bouncing around. Yeah, there's just there's been a lot of here we go again on this team this yeah. year. A lot of a lot of business like this is my job, um, and I miss I miss that about Jamal Williams a lot. He was he was always having a good time. Uh, if we're talking about the NFC North, and we are, uh, we're talking about what's been going on in Minnesota because we haven't done a podcast since Kirk Cousins uh, blew yep. his Achilles and is done for the season. That's a a you know a major blow you'd think to Minnesota. And you know Kirk Cousins is a guy who I will be like vocally outspoken is like Kirk, your politics are are terrible, and you know you should really examine deeply examine your uh, you know your relationship to. Uh, to some of these things that you you say publicly, but also like, oh man, it sucks because he's a pretty good quarterback, and yeah. um, you know it sucks to see this guy get hurt. Uh, but uh, the Vikings just uh, call up call up Arizona, trade for Josh Dobbs, and all Josh Dobbs has come in and does come in and be fucking great. Yeah, it's um, Kirk was willing to to die over not getting the COVID vaccine. Um, yeah, it's very dumb. I don't know what that says about tearing his Achilles. Um, Josh Dobbs came in, and I'm sure you saw it, but it's one of the most astounding stories I've seen this this season. Um, Throwing dimes Josh at guys who, whose names he doesn't know? Doesn't know. He's getting told, like the old Jared Goff, where Sean McVay would tell Jared Goff the coverage through his headset yeah. before the 15 seconds hit. Kevin O'Connell's running him through like, all right, the guy, uh, your 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 ex receiver is gonna run this route. Hit him on this step. Uh, coming in with like, Dobbs is calling the play, and then going like, okay, so who's doing what? There's the footage of him working through like the cadences with the offensive line. Um, just some exceptional stuff. I didn't know that he went to school for like rocket science he's like an aerospace engineer is what he got his degree in all right while playing college football high degree Who of difficulty or this guy where they find this guy um i think it makes it even more funny with the deshaun watson injury uh which um i don't feel bad for deshaun watson and his shoulder really at all nope uh josh Jobs was a backup in cleveland who they traded to arizona who then traded Josh Dobbs to uh, Minnesota. So Cleveland uh, loses Deshaun Watson for the year. Um, they'll be starting a rookie, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's looked pretty good in the preseason. But Josh Dobbs has been on three teams this year and is still looking great and winning football games. Yeah, it's a hell of a story. One of my uh, one of my favorites so far this year. And your final final story in the NFC North is, of course, the uh, the Lions. Boy, you cannot do the first ten weeks of the season any better than the Lions have done. Yeah, you, know, you beat you beat the Chiefs on the road in Week One. Uh, you you know you have a couple of setbacks on your way to a seven and two record, 
but you are four and one in road games after, and you go and take business against the char- take care of business against the Chargers, who, you know, managed to score three points against Green Bay last week. Good job, guys. Big hand. But uh, come back and. Oh, this is the Rams, not the Chargers. I'm being stupid. Um, ro- you're being you're being <laughs> confusing the LAT. We get the Chargers next week. Matt, why are they both blue and yellow? I know, and what? nobody cares about either of them. God in damn Los it, Los Angeles. Yeah, can't uh, they just be one team or none? Why is it like this? Uh, but anyway, yeah, the Lions uh, beat the 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 team from Los Angeles that can score points. <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers on the road with a. A 300-plus yard and two-touchdown performance from Jared Goff, who doesn't get sacked once. I mean, you cannot. You know, the, the idea for Detroit this year is like, you know, are their eyes going to be wide? Is the stage going to be a little bit too big for a team that, that needs to make the step where now they're a playoff team and they win instead of a second half of the season strong finish team? Um, yeah, they just uh, they just went through Week 10 with a uh, five games above 500 leading the division, you know, en route to a first-round bye kind of record, so... God damn! Really impressive what uh, what's going on in Detroit right now. Yeah, they they look great. I think this is the your dream for a Packers rebuild. If we're if we consider this a rebuild, which I I would, is the the Lions turnaround since Dan Campbell's arrival. Is like bad the first year, which is this year. Start showing some signs of life next season. Good in the third, great in the fourth. Trying to look if there's anything else worth talking about. We mentioned Deshaun Watson. Uh, goodbye, Deshaun. Um, you know the Browns continue to uh, continue to be screwed by by that decision to bring him in. Which uh, good, even though they they beat Baltimore. But that's uh, I don't know. Football results don't factor into why why like or don't like Deshaun Watson. Um, he seemed like a good quarterback back when he was healthy, but that doesn't matter. Uh, San Francisco is still rolling. That I, that's fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really happened. Um, the the Giants are still bad. Um, Washington Commanders are still bad. Uh, I did get to see a little bit of that Las Vegas uh, game against the New York Jets. That's the that's the football I got to watch this week. Look, I, and I, uh, let me I'll, tell you, uh, Las Vegas feeling a lot better with uh, with no Josh McDaniels in the building. I wonder. Uh, as the entire nation of people who have watched football for more than four hours in the last two years stands up and goes, yeah, no shit. Uh-huh. Um, and, I, you know, and I, I'll say it. It's not a huge accomplishment to beat this Jets team. No. Uh, no, it's not. I, I'm a lucky man. Mike, we, we are both, we're both lucky guys. We were born into being Packers fans. Yeah, I agree. That's. That's it's a it's a very privileged football life that we lead, a privileged life in general, to be Packers fans. Every game I've been to in my whole life, it's been a Packers game, where there's a lot of people, even if it's on the road, a lot of happy people, and the team is pretty good. And if they lose, the attitude is pretty like, ah, oh, shoot. They oh. should have won that one. Oh darn! Oh well. Oh heck! We're gonna win. We're gonna win next week, and we'll be in the running for the Super Bowl. I went to a Jets game uh, on Monday night a couple weeks ago, where they played the Chargers. They scored six points. 
I've never been amongst a sadder group of 60,000 people in my entire life. Um, I was sitting next to a man, DJ King Kong. DJ King King Kong. Kong Entertainment. DJ King Kong. Of King Kong Kong Entertainment? Entertainment LLC. The one one in the same? Okay. Him. The one. He was in a full matching sweatsuit. It all had weed leaves printed all over it. (laughs) And he was very excited. About the New York Jets. For about People five minutes? leaving. No, 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 no. <laughs> he was excited into the fourth quarter. Oh, my. Okay. They were down, I, I want to say 17 points, but it, it might have been less or more. <laughs> and looking completely lifeless. They didn't look They didn't look like they were alive from the first kick. And he's shouting at people that are getting up and leaving. How dare you? How dare There's still you? a chance. There's still a chance. <laughs> There's still a chance. With about six minutes left, Zach Wilson turns the ball over one more time. <laughs> and DJ King Kong gets up and leaves. Man, if you have lost <laughs> DJ King Kong, it is time to reevaluate your choices. We're, we're sitting up in the highest 300s you can get. <laughs> People are coming up to DJ King Kong and dapping him up and going like, man, I love you. I'm trying to find him on any kind of social media, and I cannot find him. <laughs> his name is printed on the back of his weed sweatsuit. I mean, hell, like, this should be yeah. easy to find you. I cannot. In the pre-social um, media days, like a sweatsuit with your name on it, it was pretty much what it, you could do. Before you started like taking out ads in your local newspaper or, or public access television station. That's like but, the, that used to be Instagram, is just when you put your own name on your clothing. Everyone was out of the building except for Chargers fans with four minutes left in the game. That was it was just blue and about a thousand of them. Man. Man, that is what <laughs> Zach was... Wilson will do to you. Oh, Broken souls everywhere. So many Rodgers jerseys. I felt horrible. See, Zach Wilson is a guy who who is going to like, if he, Zach Wilson's going to separate the wheat from the chaff in a lot of ways. In that like, this guy is the size of an NFL quarterback. This guy can do all the individual physical things that you have, that you ask an NFL quarterback to do. He can run pretty fast. He's very big. He can withstand contact. He's not fragile. He doesn't get injured that much. He can absolutely rip the ball downfield. You know, he can theoretically make reads. Like, he, he's fairly accurate, and he's terrible. <laughs> In theory, he like, can make yeah. a read. You like haven't you, seen him do it. If but... you are, you know, if you are a coach, like I did it in college, uh, but, like, you know, if you are a coach who, like, looks at Zach Wilson and goes, like, I can fix this guy, that is the wheat being separated from the chaff right there. You have just become the chaff. That is that is what Zach Wilson does. Zach Wilson is a separator. And, uh, you know, I, it was... I see it. You know, you see it all the time. Like, uh, coaches who, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that Christian Watson might be this guy on the Packers. I I agree. Um he's you know, he's got he's got two more years on the deal. He'll be around for those two years, but it'll be interesting to see if anybody can crack the code on getting Christian Watson to do things correctly. Yeah. And with a little bit of I, I never wanna say that a player is playing with no heart, you know? Like he might just be doing it wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, he's Christian he's, Watson. Yeah. Regardless of the like motives, he's yeah, he's he's not doing it right. And yeah, I I think I, I think we're both kind of correct in that. Like the way you do it right is by being physical. It's by like contesting guys. It's by fighting for the ball. It's by you know running your route. It's by playing with a higher level of like mental and physical intensity than he plays with. So I, I think we're right about that stuff. I don't think we're turning into and just like oh he doesn't care. Like you can you can be really bad at something you really care about. You know, like witness like the first two years of my broadcasting career. <laughs> like I really care. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm better now. <laughs> Trending towards it, good, but you know it, you can be bad at something you want to do well. It yeah. It's just it looks like there's not. Uh, I don't know. It looks like something just feels. Uh, I wonder if he's playing injured. It just feels like something is has been there before and isn't there now. And it's it might be the specificity of a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers being like, "You're gonna do it this way," and it might be a guy who's just messing up. Yeah, Rodgers, the guy who comes into his rookies and be like, "I, I thought of some stuff that you guys could do last night." It, I'm not going to tell you what it is. All right. <laughs> no, he's he, he's coming in going like, I thought of, here, have you guys done your research? And they're going like, yes, Aaron, we've gone over the playbook. And he's going like, no, 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 no. About 9-11? Have you ever read The Art of War? <laughs> anyway, Zach Wilson no, will get you. We play football. Zach Wilson's going to get um, at least five more people fired in his NFL career before he's done. This guy is going to get you uh, fired. Zach Wilson feels like the type of guy because he landed in the New York market. It feels like he's going to get like some kind of Ryan Leaf, Johnny Manziel documentary in a few years. Yeah. And it won't have the same like I don't think he deserves it. Was, it. I don't think he does either. But I I it it just feels like it will be a like like a 30 for 30, a quick one, you know, maybe yeah. not a the full 30 for 30 type of thing, but like a TV short documentary of like, a, what happened here? What? Why did this guy go number two and why was he so bad? Well, I'm and not, yeah, be, I'm not, I'm not at all. BYU. I'm not quite done with, with, I, I really think that Zach Wilson is a guy that could lead like, say the Montreal Alouettes to several CFL championships and win uh, like four CFL MVP trophies. Whereas, like, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't give Johnny Manziel, <laughs> even five years ago, a snowball's chance in hell of doing anything of the sort. <laughs> I know, think he tried it, and it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wilson Wilson is more of the guy who just, like, cannot make the leap to the, the NFL level, but would absolutely dominate anywhere else because, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with how he's going about, like, being an NFL player. It just seems bad. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, he just seems too like the game is too fast for him. He's he also looks like he's still a kid, and I think he's like twenty four or twenty five. Um, yeah, he's twenty four. Yeah, he's gonna. He's it, Stafford is was the same way. Although Stafford was good at twenty four, is uh, is just always looked like a looked like a goober. I think Zach Wilson is is just gonna be like the he is the BYU quarterback. <laughs> It's the platonic yeah. ideal of the quarterback who is from BYU. Yeah, that that'll that'll be it. It'll follow him forever. Um, 
man, I've got I've got nothing else. We've rambled for for quite a while trying to trying to catch this thing up and and get this thing back on the rails. Of course, coming up next week for the Packers, it's the it's the Thanksgiving game. If I'm right about this, I, I host a show about the Packers. I don't know shit about their schedule. Uh, it's the Chargers next, and then the Thanksgiving game at the Lions. Yes. Um, so I was I was almost right, but uh, it's yeah, the yeah we blue just and saw yellow. yeah the Chargers LA. just put up uh put up thirty eight in a loss, so um, I don't know I think the Packers kind of need to be in the high twenties low thirties to even be in the conversation uh, against the Chargers. At, fortunately, it's going to be at Lambeau, and I could really use a cold snap to come in. Yeah, I think that the. The Chargers are a fun one where there's no good way to game plan them. So maybe the Packers will choose the right one this time and we'll be okay. Well, if Austin uh, Eckler runs for 150 yards and three touchdowns, I'm going to be mad upset. (laughs) Yeah, I'll live with Justin Herbert throwing for 450 uh, and Keenan Allen catching a bunch of balls. Because they're really good. Yeah, was Joe Barry uh, just like a week ahead on his game plan? Did he just accidentally scheme up for the Chargers and try to run that against Pittsburgh? Yeah, they were using Pittsburgh as practice. And yeah, it, it was it was a big brain moment from okay. Joe Barry. Um, we'll see. Oh, I boy. I don't know. I think this will be a tough one. The the Chargers score a lot of points and they don't play great defense. And the Packers um, have shown that they can struggle to score uh, a lot of points and also don't play great defense. So I think the team that does score a lot of points and doesn't play great defense will win out. We'll see. Yeah, a lot of question marks. This is it's it's do or die time for uh for this this season for the Packers. Like a late season push would be would be good, but you know, if you're coming out of uh if you're coming into week 12 with uh without uh Without a fourth win, you are you're doomed. So that might be where the Packers are, but no matter where they are, we'll tell you about it at some point on the next episode of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Uh, Cheesehead of uh, of the last I don't know week month for for me is uh, probably Keyshawn Nixon because that guy still uh, hasn't discovered that he should be sensible, and I love it. I think that's perfect. Um... I would say if it's the last two weeks, I'd say Jordan Love. I think he's put together the last couple weeks have been his his best stretch of games. Um, Runner up, Jaden Reed. He's been the Packers' best wide receiver. Um, He's on pace to have a better uh, rookie season than Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Uh, which those are three really good guys that it is cool to be better than. And and you're playing the Chargers at Lambeau Field. You can come out of that game if you're Jaden Reed with a, a a few more eyes on you. It's a, a big time part of the schedule for uh, for that guy because I think they're they're starting to realize that they need to go to him a lot. And well, he's done a good job getting up to speed as a rookie. Those are your cheeseheads of the week. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Malamsetter. And until next time, Matt, what do we tell? Them? Stay cheesy, baby.